This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, happy to be behind the mic once again for some quality conversations with and for our energy professionals out there who are looking for the best and brightest insights on how to maneuver today's complex industry. As we dig into today's conversation with a returning guest, I want to make sure you're getting all of the Opportune podcast content and just other Opportune content that you need to feel fully caught up on the subject and tap into some other quality thought leadership. So to do so, make sure you're heading to our website, opportune.com. Again, opportune.com. And make sure that you're subscribing to Energy to Business on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So on today's episode of E2B, we're going to be having a conversation with Dave Lauks. He's been on a previous episode, so we're happy to re-welcome him onto the show. And we're going to be chatting standardized measure of oil and gas calculations, or SMOG calculations for short, and how we'll more frequently be referencing it throughout the episode. We're going to be tapping into this for our energy professionals listening in to make sure you're fully caught up on our our firm's solutions around smog calculations, and much more. So for a little more context on Dave, Dave Lauks is a principal in Opportune's complex financial reporting practice based in the firm's Denver office. And right now he leads the firm's solutions around smog calculations and smog solutions, asset retirement obligations, or ARO, and ascent leases. So Dave, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure getting to chat again. And I understand that you've been meeting with a lot of clients recently to conduct their end of year 2021 planning for the, again, standardized measure of oil and gas calculations or smog calculations. Can you give our listeners a brief overview of what these smog calculations entail? The the smog calc really is a reconciliation of the reserve report year over year. It's done on a volume basis and on a dollars basis. With the volumes, it really is, hey, what are the the new wells, the extensions? What did you acquire? What did you divest? What did you produce? And then there's a revision line that really is the plug that makes the roll forward roll. Then on the changes side, there's 12 prescribed categories that you know, a company needs to put the activity in to to show how things are moving on on a dollar basis as well. And then the smog amount really differs from the PB10 amount that the reserve engineers actually lay out because you also have to put in the impact of income taxes on there. So that's taking the company's tax structure and tax, tax attributes and figuring out how to model in, you know, what what the impact of those are you know, for our, our friends in Texas who have Texas properties, you know, we do need to put in the Texas margin tax and take into account net operating loss, 
um, you know, in UPSI tax structures, all those sorts of things that comes into play on the, on, on getting to what the smog value is, which is really PB10 less the, the income tax uh, impact with it. And as folks in this industry are aware, public exploration and production companies, or E&Ps, are required to do smog calculations. But what about some of the other companies out there that might be seeking a smog calculation? You know, we see a number of the private companies do smog year after year to be ready for transactions, whether that's a transaction, you know, in today's environment of merging in with with a SPAC, selling to a public company, or even if they're doing a debt transaction, sometimes the smog uh, calcs are actually required. It also, you know, because it's that reconciliation of, of the reserve report year over year, some private companies really do it to, you know, make sure that, you know, their, their reserve engineers, you know, really are getting things in the right buckets, right? And, and it's, a, it's a good check uh, over that. With a number of calcs that we, that we did, um, you know, during 2021, I really am anticipating a number of transactions to actually get announced here in early 2022. Well, Dave, I know that 2021 was the year of smog for you, at least. How many smog calculations did your group actually end up doing this year? Yeah, we actually completed 110 calculations this past year. Normally, we do probably 40, you know, 40 to 60 each year. So that's a pretty big uptick in in the number of calcs. Wow, goodness, that is a lot of smog calculations. Uh, why, why does it make sense to outsource said calculations then to a team like Opportunes? It, it really makes sense to outsource the smog calculation because it's something that you only do once a year. And, you know, versus, hey, we do these all, all the time, right? So creating a smog workbook is really hard. There aren't any real easy models to follow from the literature to be able to, you know, just sit down and and create a workbook to do this. And there's so many moving parts to it. There are a lot of folks that are still using the, you know, the, the Arthur Anderson model that was developed uh, up in Denver in the, in the late 1980s. Another benefit to outsourcing it, you know, to, to opportune uh, would be that, Hey, you get the benefit of seeing what we're seeing at other clients as well, too. We probably have you know someone else um, you know in your in your basin that you know we're also helping so that we can understand you know what's going on you know with your numbers you know do they do they look and and seem right? Well, oh, it seems like uh, quite a few things have changed then from the 1980s. No, <laughs> yeah, you know price volatility has really increased in the 2000s. You know that that spreadsheet model really worked well when prices were consistent, you know, and and it it really developed as a big math calculation. Part of that is, hey, you put accountants and engineers in in a room together, probably not the two best groups to sit down and have a a big, you know, conversation, right? And so, hey, because it's a reconciliation, in a lot of places, it was the accounting team that actually did this. Some Some of the companies, it actually was the engineering side that did it. And, you know, it's hard to get, hard to get it together, right? And, you know, as we, again, look at, at how this has evolved, you know, the price volatility, you know, has, has really made us, you know, go back and get a lot more data from the reserve engineers and, and spend a lot more time with them to understand, 
you know, hey, this is what the data is saying. This is, you know, what, what they're trying to trying to tell with the changes in the reserve report year over year, right? And, you know, working your way through those to be able to, you know, if you're going to reconcile from the reserve report to the reserve report, it only kind of makes sense that you use as much reserve data as you can and not do as much math, math as what we used to do in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. All right, Dave, peer forward for us a bit. What would you say we're expecting to see regarding smog calculations in 2022? Well, this year is kind of the opposite of 2019 and 2020. In 2019 and, and 2020, we saw you know, price decreases in both the years. So your changes in prices and costs, and then also you know, the impact of, of revisions were both negative, right? It was a big downward price change and, and you, know, you lost a lot of value because of that. As prices come down, and you, you drop off you know, certain wells that aren't, aren't economic anymore, that also is going to take you know, value away. Now with prices going up, it's just the opposite, right? A, we're anticipating that people are going to put more wells on that were uneconomic in the past. Probably a, a little bit of an uptick on the proved undeveloped locations as well too. Although I think companies really are trying to manage that a little bit better you know, to really really tie it to what their real, you know, rig schedule really is. And I think that that that's a good thing for the calculations. And, you know, because of the prices going up, obviously we're going to see value being added because of that. And on the revision side, you know, we're anticipating seeing, you know, positive revisions on that end as well. Now we've seen inflation tick up recently. Does that impact smog calculations in any way? Connect the dots for us. It, it, it does. And I think most companies are going to see an increase, you know, due to inflation on the LOE and on the capital side, both, right? The price of, you know, whenever the price goes up, um, we normally see the associated service costs go up with it as well. And so it's, a, you know, how does that manage to, you know, together with it? And, you know, definitely, you know, on the capital side, I think we're, we're going to see an, an impact of that. Now, it's actually kind of interesting because when prices go up on the capital side, that actually takes away PV10 value, which is actually kind of a little not logical as you kind of think, think about it, but it's a subtraction as we get to what the PV10 amount is. So the math actually does work out with it. But you know, we think we're going to see you know, our capital costs you know, because of the increases in price a lot of those actually, you know, should be negative this year, whereas in the 19 and 20, they were actually positive. And then also on the LOE side, we think we're still going to see a lot of companies that actually, you know, the LOE is not going to go up that much because they really have programs in place to really, you know, continue to kind of control costs on that end. And so that's that's a little bit of a, a mixed bag on that. But I think capital almost across the board, we're going to see go up. What are some of the key things that you think people can learn from or take away when examining smog calculations? Yeah, the, the smog calculation, I always say, is the most important footnote in an EMP company's financial statements. It really tells the story of what happened during the year. You know, how did the value change from last year to this year? 
you know, again, prices are going to go up, you know, this year, um, you know, on, on the, you know, the 12 month SEC average is probably about double what it was last year. So we're going to see an increase in value because of that, right? That's an easy one. That's just price movement, but it's more important to you know, understand what's going on with the company to figure out, hey, what are they doing on the extension side? Are they growing through the drill bit? What are they doing on the acquisition side? You know, how many acquisitions did, did they do? Does it really mix or change the mix of, of the properties within the whole reserve database, right? Um, you know, so, hey, if I went and bought a new field, is the, the, the LOE a whole lot lower in that field versus what we traditionally have, you know, have within the rest of our, our, our reserve uh, population? So, you know, looking at those and looking at it analytically to figure out, hey, what makes sense, right? And, and, and does this all come together, you know, and the engineering data really match what you think the story of the company really is? On top of that, uh, Dave, is there anything else that you think people should document in their reserves process? Yeah, you know, one of the things that the PCOB was really hot on, you know, over the past few years is, you know, how do you know when you have a database population that you know that you're getting the right report out? And, you know, one of the things that happens with the reserve engineering process, and I know this from my public accounting days as well, we always would kind of talk about the SEC reserve report, which just means, hey, it's a reserve report run at the SEC prescribed prices at that 10% discount rate. We think of that as the reserve report. And it's just a version of the reserve report. You can also have uh, you know, a strip price report. You can have a loss okay report. And a loss OK report is actually really important, you know, with this documentation around, you know, knowing that you have the right population for the report that you're running, because the loss OK report will actually show you all of the well bores and locations that 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 are laid out within the whole database, and and basically a loss OK report means that we're not taking economics into a play. We're really just looking at it on a volume basis to figure out how long the volumes are actually going to last. And, and, and so that, that would be the largest population, right? And then depending on where economics are, hey, you know, your, your strip price report may have a different population than what the SEC report is. And I really think companies really need to continue to, to document that. And, you know, and kind of show what the differences are to help the auditors, you know, understand, you know, what, what the population really is. If you don't mind pulling the curtain back a little for us, what are some of the other things that you talk with clients on uh, in these meetings? You know, we actually have seen a number of comments over the reserve report letters this past year. A few of them have been over you know, not having the required components that are required in an external reserve engineer's letter. Uh, we also saw a couple letters that have the, the private company exemption language in there, which really says, hey, a third party should not rely on this report, you know, unless they have, you know, written permission. Well, if you filed it as a public document, people are going to rely upon it, you know, kind of kind of easy on that one. And then, the other big one in, in, that we always talk about is, 
are there any exclusions or except fors in the reserve engineer's letter that really would take it out of being, you know, an SEC compliant letter? So, you know, sometimes we see companies still not have the, the net abandonment costs included, which they should be. And so the letter will say, hey, you know, a, um, net abandonment costs are not included. Well, that's pretty easy to see in a letter and go, okay, hey, that's not an SEC compliant letter then. And, and you know, so you really want to take that time to read the letter and figure out, you know, what those exclusions are and how, you know, how we need to deal with things, whether that's getting the reserves rerun, you know, or, hey, we can, you know, layer the abandonment costs in separately to actually make it an SEC compliant report. So with ESG or environmental, social and governance standards, people in the oil and gas industry are dealing with aspects of this trend all the time. What can a company do to improve the governance of reserves to cover the G component in ESG? Well, this one's actually kind of an easy one, right? (laughs) They really just need to meet with the internal and external reserve engineers and actually document it. And I, I, I'm really shocked that this isn't happening now. I go back to my public accounting days and I know, you know how many audit committee meetings I actually sat through and sat through the presentation you know, that, that the external reserve engineers would actually make. And, and so I just kind of assumed that this was still happening. And, I, and I, you know, like I said, I'm really shocked that it's not. It's obviously the best governance you know, to have that meeting and, you know, whether that's at the board level, you know, at, at a private company or at a public company, we're seeing a lot of them actually rename their audit committee to be the audit and reserves committee. You know, that ends up kind of being a, you know, an ESG scorecard item, right, of, you know, check the box, hey, they've got a reserve committee, but then we actually do have to have these meetings and they should you know, in those meetings, they should be asking, you know, the same questions that they ask, you know, the external auditors of, you know, hey, did you face any undue pressure to achieve a certain result? Um, would you have done anything differently? You know, do you think there's fraud and all that kind of stuff? You know, it's, it's kind of the same questions, but I think it, it's something that really does need to need to happen, you know, to, to continue to help improve the process. And finally, Dave, have you been talking to clients about the energy transition? And if so, how do you think the accounting aspects will uh, develop or should develop around this trend? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I, and I have been asking, uh, you know, clients, you know, with what their thoughts are about, you know, the carbon capture underground storage and, you know, if they're thinking about getting involved in it. We actually do have a couple of groups that that actually, you know, have real carbon capture underground storage or CCUS deals, and I think it's going to be very interesting because you know we we know how the accounting works when we take things out of the ground, so to do it the opposite of how you know how the accounting is going to work when we put things back in, I think is going to be very interesting to see how it really does develop and and who really are the leaders on that end. And another part with it is, is, you know, how much help do we really need from the reserve engineers as the experts, you know, to tell us, you know, what's really going on with that storage, right? And how much more 
can, you know, they put in, et cetera. So, you know, it, it definitely is something that we're going to have to continue to, to evaluate and watch and, and see how it does continue to, to develop. All right. I think on that note, Dave, that does it for our conversation. Thanks again for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure getting to chat a second time. And uh, thank you so much for laying out all of the most important aspects of smog calculations and what our energy professionals tuning in need to take away around these important calculations. Again, folks, we've been chatting with Dave Laux. He's a principal in Opportune's complex financial reporting practice. And if you want more information on some of this work or you want to get in touch with Dave, head to our website per usual, opportune.com. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business. For more episodes, you can also head to our website, opportune.com, or you can subscribe to Energy to Business on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the very next episode of E2B. E2B.